Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode. I'm your host, Brad Betke. We're going to be discussing NFL Week 5 and College Football Week 6 recap, NFL Week 6, College Football Week 7 preview, the MLB playoff overview, the NHL season has started, and you know what, this week's fast break is coming up. So, sit back, relax. Without further ado, let's jump into episode 46 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, man, is it good to be back. And I can only imagine how good it is to hear my voice. Before we jump into anything, really quick, just want to give a shout out to my guy, Alex. Man, I appreciate you for what you did. I appreciate you covering while I had things going on. And I appreciate those of you who are patient and waiting for my my return. Um, I can promise you I'm okay. House is okay. Um, everything like that. And fared better than most people did down here. So for those of you that already checked in, I appreciate the reaching out and everything. So all good on that end. And Alex, thank you again. Jumping right into it. NFL week five recap, starting with the Thursday night primetime game. Man, the NFL has fumbled, no pun intended, the bag on primetime games this year. As I'm speaking, the primetime game is the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. How the hell did they get a primetime game? And then you look at last week's performance, the Broncos and the Colts. Now, to be fair, the NFL made the schedule before the season started. And if you're clearly somebody who doesn't know football like me, apparently, you would have thought the Colts and the Broncos would have been a good matchup going into this season. My opinion, y'all know how high I was on the Colts. I had high expectations for them. I thought they were going to do well. Well, yes not. Broncos, they got Russell Wilson. You thought they would have been better? Well, guess not. Not a single touchdown scored in this game. It was a battle of the field goals. With quarterbacks like Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson, you would have thought that would never happen. I don't really know what to say. It was a shit fest. We'll just leave it at that. Moving on to one of your first Sunday games, the Steelers and Bills. Man, wow. Talk about a blowout. 38-3. And if you're someone like me, this game's caught you by surprise just a bit. The Steelers' defense really lacking just because of the fact of uh, what they did in week one and how they've, I mean, they've still maintained decent statistics and everything as a defense, but week by week they've just gotten worse. Um, speaking of worse, the Lions went from having the number one offense in the league to zero points against a mediocre team like the New England Patriots. And if you're a Lions fan, you know how much more this one just pisses you off because Matt Patricia is back on the Patriots coaching staff and he finally he gets the last laugh. Let's be honest here. He got the last laugh. They beat us 29 to 0. Like his defense shut us out. I I, uh, I tell you man, that one really gets you going cuz of how much I believe Alex touched on it. Detroit fans hate Matt Patricia, and here we are getting shut out by him after having the number one offense in football. Ugh, I'll tell you, that one grinds your gears. 
Looking at the Giants and the Packers, Saquon, man, had quite a game. That was that was an interesting performance. That's your London game there. That was technically one of the first ones in the day, Sunday. Um, Saquon really did have a great performance, putting up 70 yards and a touchdown, um, also having almost 40 yards receiving. It wasn't his best performance this year, but he definitely has been a consistent contrib- contributor to the Giants and their four and one record. You never thought you'd be saying the Giants have a better record than the Green Bay Packers, would you? Well, you guessed it. Chargers and Browns. Brandon Staley trusted his gut, analytics, and his offense. They barely pulled out of this one. Fantastic performance by Austin Eckler putting up 173 rushing yards and a touchdown on top of almost 30 receiving yards and another touchdown there as well. This man put the team on his back like Greg Jennings Madden. If you know what clip I'm talking about, then you know what clip I'm talking about. I'm leaving it at that. The Bears and the Vikings, somehow the Bears put up 22 points, something that they couldn't even fathom doing this evening. But Minnesota, of course, came out on top on another fantastic performance by Justin Jefferson, 154 receiving yards. The guy is a generational talent, and I am so grateful that I am getting to experience his greatness firsthand. I mean, I almost truly believe him when he says that he plans to be the greatest receiver to ever play the game because he's on a fantastic start. Looking at the Saints and the Seahawks, this game was somewhat interesting. It was kind of back and forth, but Taysom Hill ran it. And I don't mean that too literally, but Taysom Hill was quite the guy in this game. You know, I mean, three rushing touchdowns on top of a a passing touchdown as well. I mean, the guy had nine carries for 112, three touchdowns, passed one for one, 22 yards, touchdown. I mean, the fact that I don't even know who this guy is. You know what I mean? And this crazy thing is, is as we're all getting older here, we're going to be going on social media and we're going to get those random things in like 2034. And it's going to say only real ones know who Taysom Hill was because as crazy as his stats have been over the years, nobody's going to remember who he is. You know what I mean? He's not like a crazy... I feel like Alvin Kamara is going to be a more memorable name than Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill arguably has a better career in New Orleans, obviously that's an over-exaggeration, but like, dude, when this guy wants to play, he plays. Speaking of which, Kamara had 23 carries for 103 yards. I would say Kamara's best game of the season so far. He's had a bit of an off year. Um, and another Saints player, Chris Olave, in my opinion, right now is your offensive rookie of the year. Kid's playing great, and he's only gotten better week by week. I enjoy watching him for sure. Especially, you got to also add in the fact that he has some mediocre quarterbacks. And not to mention Seattle, the unfortunate injury of Rashad Penny. We're looking at Kenneth Walker becoming the starting running back there, getting more touches, meaning more yards and touchdowns, and I think he's going to be an eye, a guy to keep your eyes on as the weeks go forward here. Looking at the Dolphins and the Jets. Man, the Jets, wow. I mean, I understand you played against a third-string quarterback, you know, so you should win that game, but 40-17, to 17, that's quite a score. You know, so kudos to the Jets, man. Their defense played really good, honestly. Brees Hall had a great game, 100 yards receiving on top of 97 rushing. Definitely carried the game on his back. 
no pun intended, not to mention his, his uh, what do you call it, counterpart, Michael Carter, had another two rushing touchdowns. On top of that, Zach Wilson had a rushing touchdown, and Braxton Berrios had a rushing touchdown. Quite literally, all of their touchdowns came from the ground. Quite the rushing attack there in New Jersey. And then looking at the Falcons and Buccaneers, an interdivisional matchup. Not really surprised where this one went. And I'm going to touch a little bit on something that happened in this game later on. Titans and Commanders, not too surprised at the result here. I will say that I was surprised at how close of a game it was. Um, 21-17, Titans over the Commanders. It uh, was a little concerning how close it was. Only a matter of four points. That's not how close this game should have been. Another good performance by Derrick Henry, 28-102 and two touchdowns. He's starting to finally get back into his form after a couple... I wouldn't say off weeks in the early season, but definitely not what we know him to be. Your next game, another interesting game here. Uh, Jacksonville-Houston. Houston wins their first game and become the final winless team in the NFL to no longer be the case. So they, well, they were the last, and now there are no winless teams in the NFL. Uh, another guy that I think is putting up a great argument for offensive rookie of the year Damian Pierce y'all know how I feel about Mr. Pierce I had high praise for him before the season started he had a slow start but he's progressively gotten better as the game's gone by and I couldn't be happier I don't know what it is that I like about him but something about him I just I'm a fan of and I want to see more of looking at your next game you had the 49ers and the Panthers 49ers win 37 to 15 another interdivisional matchup and I will say that Garoppolo is starting to look like the better choice here. I know uh, Trey Lance, the injury was unfortunate, but Garoppolo, 253, two touchdowns, no picks, QBR of 109. I mean, he's playing pretty well being the starting. I think it's just it's time to admit that Trey Lance is not the guy, you know, and I, I hate to say that with the unfortunate injury, but at the end of the day, if Garoppolo is outperforming you, then clearly you're not it. Simple as that. Jeff Wilson, man, I'll tell you, San Francisco's uh, running their backfield depth has been kind of crazy on these last couple years. You got Jeff Wilson, 17-120 and a touchdown. And you think about losing Raheem Mostert, who was their go-to guy last year, not to mention having Elijah Mitchell's injury. You know, the fact that the depth that they got here is just, it's it really is something. Debo Samuel with a fairly quiet game, something we're not really used to on his end. He had the touchdown, but other than that, he had no more than 32 combined yards. That's not something we're used to seeing out of him. Cowboys and Rams. Man, Dallas's defense played lights out in this game. Because you think about it, they had no passing touchdowns and only one rushing touchdown and somehow managed to put up 22 points. I'll tell you, this, this team... Their defense really showed up this game because, in my personal opinion, they were not winning this game without their defense. Had Demarcus Lawrence with the scoop and score fumble. And overall, I mean, they just played better. A couple of field goals, you know, and the Rams, man, what the hell are we watching here? I don't know what's going on with Stafford. I don't know what's going on with their rushing attack. Coop. What happened to Cam Akers? I mean, why are they not using anybody properly? 
you know, Cooper Cup is going to be Cooper Cup, seven for 125, and a touchdown. He's just, I feel like it's unanimous at this point that those things happen, but I don't understand what's going on with the rushing attack, and I don't think there's enough attention being given there. Um, and not to mention, I genuinely do feel like they should have kept Odell. That's all I'm going to say. Eagles and Cardinals. Man, I tried to tell you all about the Eagles. Listen, nobody wanted to listen. Nobody did. And now I'm telling you you have to because they're 5-0. and They're the only undefeated team in the league left. So understand that I was not exaggerating in the preseason. I told you all Jalen Hurts is going to be him this year, and you all didn't want to hear me, and look at now, he's him. Um, and I told you all that Philly was going to have a good team this year, and look at that, they're having a good team this year. So... Um, Good stuff, Brad. Yeah, no problem. I got you. Um, Jalen Hurts, you know, he's, he's playing really good. No throwing touchdowns this last game, but two on the ground. And he, overall, you know, he's just he's, he's doing a really good job. He's getting better as he goes on, and that's, that's all you can ask for from a young QB like him. They won 20-7 to over the card, 20 to 17 over the Cardinals. And then your Sunday night game. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore barely squeezed past Cincy to get this win. Um, this division is all over the place right now. There's, I think there was a lot of better performances that we expected to come out of both teams, or all of the teams, really, honestly. They should have one of the better divisions in football, and right now they're just underperforming, in my opinion. I don't really know what's going on. I feel like every team in this division it could be potentially 4-1 and one or 3-2, and two, and... You got one that's one and four, one that's two and three, one that's three and two, and I think another that's three and two. So, it I don't know. I feel like we're just not seeing what this division is truly capable of. Then you had your Monday night game, and this was a fantastic game. 30-29 to 29, Kansas City over Las Vegas. Vegas could have really used the win here, um, and I do think that they played really well. Josh Jacobs had one of his better games ever, 21-154 and a touchdown. Not to mention Devontae Adams only had three catches for 124 yards and two touchdowns. Fantastic game out of him. A uh, couple of big plays down the field. I mean, he averaged 41.3 yards a catch. That's insane. And he had the 58-yard touchdown and also, I think, a 40-something yard touchdown as well. So um, Derek Carr really seeing him down the field. But listen, man, Travis Kelsey put on a show. Four receiving touchdowns, and he only had 25 yards. I mean, talk about a red zone target. You know, and it's crazy that I think they even asked him this in the post game pref, uh, conference. What do you do? What do you think that these teams need to be doing? How are you able to perform this way? I, that's what I think it was. How are you able to perform this way even though everyone knows the ball is coming to you? And I don't, he said, of course, something humble, but I mean, four touchdowns is crazy to one dude, and he didn't even have 20. 26 yards. That's, that's quite a performance. It really was a great game, though, that came down to the wire. It was very entertaining. It was a great game to have on a – it was a real primetime game, you know, not like the one we had last Thursday or this Thursday. Speaking of which, final score, Washington beats Chicago 12-7. to Carson Wentz didn't even have 100 yards passing. Justin Fields actually had a decent game. He had a nice bomb that he threw down to Dante Pettis for a touchdown. Their only touchdown and their only points came from the touchdown. And then you had the commander's only touchdown come from a muffed punt on the Bears' side of things. So um, not much of a game there. I borderline fell asleep, if you couldn't tell. Um, I would kind of expect anybody else to. 
Um, and I don't know what the NFL's obsession with Denver Broncos and primetime games this year, but they've gotten so many, not to mention they have one this coming Monday and on Christmas Day. Like, what are we doing here? Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> Um, let's go ahead and look at the week six preview for the NFL. Uh, you got the you got a fantastic matchup here: Bills and Chiefs, two four and one teams, pretty much the top of the league right now, and it's, it's going to be really a great matchup. I think the favor is going to Kansas City, but I'm I personally think the Bills come out on top here. I think their 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 defense is so much better, and I do think that um, their offense is more explosive personally. Next up, you got San Francisco and Atlanta. I'm going to have to take San Francisco here. I just think that they're finally starting to get out on a roll once Jimmy took over, uh, and they're just building more consistency. The Falcons have been pretty inconsistent, so it's hard to really give them any kind of leverage there. Looking at the Patriots and the Browns, I'm going to have to take the Browns here. I think that their offense is powerful. Nick Chubb, and I think that Jacoby Brissett is 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 he's been comfortable there. I, I will say that um, I don't really know how he's doing it, but he's been pretty consistent and he's been doing what he needs to do. Browns could definitely be better, and I'm sure they will be once they have their other quarterback back. But um, he's doing what he needs to do for now. Jets and Packers, two three and two teams. I don't really see the Jets winning this game. I don't. Um, Packers offense, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers defense I think is the big thing here, so I'm going to have to go with the Packers. Jaguars and Colts, hey, listen. The Jaguars shut them out earlier in the year. I don't care. I'm picking the Jaguars again. Colts are, I'm so angry at that team right now. Real quick. I wasted a first overall pick in a fantasy football draft on Jonathan Taylor, and he's done nothing but disappoint me. I understand that these players have lives bigger than fantasy football, but at the end of the day, I put money into this, and I'm, I am unsatisfied because I am not going to win. I'm currently 1-4 in that league. I have a positive record in every other fantasy league I have, which is like 17 other leagues, but the one that I put money in, I'm under 500 it's just unbelievable and it's all because i wasted my first overall pick on a garbage can okay i got it out i'm good now vikings and dolphins i think this will be a pretty good matchup i do think that the dolphins are just really stuck in a pretty crappy hole with the whole quarterback situation first you had Tua go out and now you had uh teddy bridgewater go out and i mean i can't imagine what it feels like there so I'm gonna have to go with the Minnesota Vikings here. I just think that they're gonna they have a better opportunity keeping their starting quarterback in. Bengals and Saints. This game, I don't know, man. I feel like New Orleans defense is gonna kind of shut Cincy's offense down. I'm gonna take the Saints here. Ravens and Giants. I this will be a good game. I personally think just the way the Giants have been performing, um, and I think it really comes down to how well Baltimore can uh, cover, or I'm sorry, other way around, how well New York can cover the Baltimore receivers because when, when when Lamar can find them, man, they have a fantastic game. Uh, Devin DuVernay, and I don't know if Rashad Bateman's coming back this week. I think he is, and J.K. Dobbins has been kind of picking up the pace as well. So I think it really comes down to the Giants' defense in this game. Looking at Buccaneers and Steelers, I'm going to take the Buccaneers here. I don't really know what's going on with the Steelers this year. They're really inconsistent, and um, unfortunately, Trubisky right now 
is the better quarterback just based on stats. But I do think that there's a lot of hope for Kenny Pickett, and I think that the, the coaching staff needs to start putting him in situations that work best for him. Panthers and Rams, God, man, this is a tough one. <laughs> and I shouldn't have to say that because the Rams are just underperforming it ridiculously this year but uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Rams here I just think that the team overall is better Cardinals and Seahawks battle of the birds here Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take the Cardinals but I do think it's gonna be closer than people expect it to be just solely based on the fact that the Seahawks have been playing a lot better than most expected them to Geno Smith I don't know what's gotten into him but he's been playing well despite their record he really has and then a Sunday night matchup, man, it's going to be one of the best games this week. You got the first, you got the Bills and the Chiefs, and then you got this game, Cowboys and Eagles. Man, you get. I'm taking the Eagles. I love the. I'm telling y'all, I love Hurts. I love the Eagles, man. I just think that despite Dallas's performance last week, I don't care. I do think the Cooper Rush, he's just not good enough. I mean, I think it's funny and all that they're making the jokes about how he's five and zero as a starting quarterback. But go ahead and look at his stats. Why don't you go look at his stats for me and tell me how good of a quarterback he really is. Simple as that. And then lastly, your Monday night primetime game, another Broncos primetime game, as I said. Uh, Denver and the Chargers, I'm taking L.A. I just think that uh, Denver has been really crap in the bed lately, especially Russell Wilson. I don't know what it is with these Russells finessing their paychecks, but both Russell Wilson and Russell Westbrook have been just absolutely finessing their paychecks. College football, some games that we need to be looking out for here in Week 7. I'm going to go over really only a couple of matchups. First things first, Penn State-Michigan. Top 10 matchup, two undefeated teams, and a Big Ten fight there. That's going to be a great game. It's a noon game. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to watch it. I'm going to be at work, but uh, I will be keeping up with it heavily. I do think this is going to be quite the game. I'm very excited for uh, what could come, and I think this is Michigan's first real test. Looking down, man, another fantastic matchup. We got a top six matchup here, Alabama-Tennessee. Let me tell you something, man. Tennessee has been playing some good football. They have three wins over five, over top five teams in the AP poll rank. Um, and 20, I'm sorry, top 25 team, not top five. Um, and it really is showing. I mean, they're playing very consistent football. And then, obviously, Alabama's Alabama, so I don't really need to say much else there. Um, I think that'll be another great game. Oklahoma State and TCU, two more undefeated teams. I think this will be a fan- great matchup. You've got Oklahoma State. They've been playing pretty well. You've got one of Alex's college football favorites here, Oklahoma State. Um, but I'm, I might go with the favorites here, TCU. I think that they just have the edge here. A top 20 matchup, NC State and Syracuse. I think this will be another good matchup. And unfortunately, NC State has a loss here. Imagine if they did not lose that game. I think this one's tough here, but I think I'm going to have to go with Syracuse. I do think that they have the better quarterback in Schrader. Um, but I do think it'll be a great battle. We do really have some great games this week, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And then lastly, let's finish it off with Mississippi State and Kentucky, another great matchup. I think Kentucky's been a a much better team than people expected them to this year, and I think they've really been quite the uh, head-turner. 
And then just really quick, I think that the, uh, a team that's just in a really prove-it position is Michigan State playing against Wisconsin. I don't really know what's going on with State this year, and I'm not just saying this as a Michigan fan. Overall, I think that State is really underperforming, and it's it's something that's got to be questioned. Um, the, the last few seasons with Mel Tucker just haven't been too well, too great, um, and I do think that they really need to start looking at, is it the quarterback? I mean, he's been playing terrible this year, um, and I know that they're not getting too much out of their, their running back either, so I do think that they need to explore maybe it's just the talent that they have on the roster or is it something bigger than that not too sure but I do think that this is a huge prove-it game for Michigan State all right you guys some quick stories I want to touch on in the NFL first of all Devontae Adams has been charged with a misdemeanor assault for shoving a credentialed media worker after Monday's loss in Kansas City if you didn't see the clip um, I will admit that the, the the media person, the photographer, I think it was, ran out in front of Devonte Adams out of nowhere. Um, but Devonte shoved him probably as an instinct, but he kind of stood there for a second. Now I'll agree with Devonte the fact that he probably didn't see him, but the fact that he stood there and stared at him for a good three seconds and then just walked away—that is unacceptable. Um, definitely should have helped him up, definitely should have checked on him if he was okay, and I think he just let his emotions get the best of him in that motion, in that moment, and uh, personally, um, as much as you can understand humans make mistakes, as a person who's the face, one of the faces of a professional league like that, that's, you don't have that choice. You don't have that choice to make those kind of mistakes. You gotta recover from that immediately with no hesitation, because then you get stuck being charged with misdemeanor assault. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that the misdemeanor charge is fully necessary, but at the end of the day, you are one of the faces of the NFL, and this is something you got to think about at all times, despite winning and losing. Like this, you are the face of the league. You got to represent the league well, and you got to represent yourself well. You got to understand these players are a brand just as much as the league is. Another big story going on, Panthers head coach Matt Rule was fired this last week after their loss, and something I think is just really interesting here is that uh, he still had four years left on his seven-year contract, and the Panthers still owe him over $40 million. Now, let me tell you something. Fired NFL coach sounds like a pretty good gig to me. I mean, shoot, anybody could go and get fired from an NFL team, but he's owed over $40 million from this team, and he don't have to work a day in his life? Are you kidding me? It's not like Matt Rule need to retire. But something else that this brings up, and I think that most people know this, but it's something that needs to just be addressed every once in a while, is that it's starting to really look like college coaches that go to the NFL from college. It doesn't transfer well. I feel like there's not a very good track record of college coaches moving to the NFL. There's really very minimal success that comes from that, and I think it's just because they're two completely different paced styles of football. Um, And I do think that college football, you can get away with a lot more single directional offenses like you look at Ohio State right now with CJ Stroud they're very pass heavy uh, whereas you look at um, other teams in the past like Alabama's older teams they're very run heavy and um, I think that you can't really get away with just one style of football in the NFL and I think that that's something that um, a lot of these college coaches they, they I wouldn't say they don't understand but they, they're just having a hard time grasping the concept of the NFL it feels like just because there really hasn't been too many notable coaches that have succeeded after leaving college football and joining the NFL now lastly one thing I want to touch on before we move on to the next topic here the re- 
ridiculous roughing the passer calls from this last week. First, you had Tom Brady literally just get tackled by Grady Jarrett, and they called it roughing the passer. I, I don't know if it was because it was Tom Brady or what, but that's that was the one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. I haven't had a very long life, but I know a lot about football. I study it. I watch it a lot, and that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. It was a natural football hit. Y'all got to understand, man. D linemen nowadays, they're up and they're they're pushing up to 280, 300 pounds, and they run like 5'1. I'm sorry, 5'1. Not that not 5'1. They run like 4840s. Can you imagine a 300 pound man running at you at 4'8 speed? Are you kidding me? What are they supposed to do, man? They only get so much time to make the play, and when they make the play, you tell them that they're wrong by throwing the flag. I don't understand it. And then you got an even worse call. Chris Jones on the Chiefs actually broke an NFL record this last week. He was the first player in NFL history to be called for roughing the passer when the ball was in his hands. He sacked Derek Carr, and before either of them lost their balance, Chris Jones took the ball right away, took it. But because his body briefly, and I mean not even a full second, landed on Derek Carr, they called him for roughing the passer. I mean, what are we doing here? Why why are referees allowed to just get away with these kind of things? This is something that I've felt for a couple of years. Now, referees need to be fined hefty amounts of money for the bullshit calls that they make. You think about games like, um, I want to say it was LA Rams and... New Orleans Saints years ago when the Saints were knocked out of the playoffs and it was an absolutely terrible call that was made on no pass interference when it was blatant pass interference. Um, just little things like that that do have the effect on the end of the game. You could argue that the Saints could have played better the rest of the game, but I'm tired of that argument. We shouldn't have to be talking about that because these refs shouldn't have this kind of power over these games. And I do think that they need to start being penalized seriously. Now, I do understand from another perspective, you look at what happened with Tua Tango Viola and the head injury this last couple of weeks, that the refs are probably going to be a little more, uh, what's the word, catering to the quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, you got to understand that this is football. This is something that all of these players signed up for. you got to stop treating adult men like they're playing Little League football. The quarterback wears pads. He's supposed to get hit. It's a part of the sport. Calling roughing the passer when the player gets tackled is absolutely unacceptable. I genuinely do believe these refs need to be held accountable. Those are terrible calls. Just terrible. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. All right, last thing before we move on here. The commander's owner, Daniel Snyder, claims to have dirt on some other owners in the NFL. You even saw some fans at the game this evening wearing paper bags over their heads saying, sell the team. Not to mention you had Al Michaels, the broadcaster on live television, talking about how he thinks that the league wants Dan Snyder to sell the commanders. And I think that that is something that we need to be paying attention to. Because something ain't right. You know, you think about what people would do to cover up something that they don't want the world to know. I don't know, man. Something just ain't right. I don't feel like an owner like Dan Snyder wouldn't just say this just to cause a little uproar. I mean, I genuinely believe that 
the NFL has been in que- has been questioned multiple times in the recent history, and I feel like it's starting to finally climb its way up that ladder. For those of you that don't know, we are quite a ways into the postseason for the Major League Baseball. We are now into the divisional round of the Atlantic and National Leagues. And a few of the teams, I will say that I, at the, from the beginning of the year to now, I was a little surprised to see that these teams made it. You had the Cleveland Guardians taking Tampa Bay out of the playoffs and advancing to play the New York Yankees. Then you had the Seattle Mariners taking down the Toronto Blue Jays so that they will match up against the one-seed Houston Astros. In the no- National League, you have the Phillies beating out the St. Louis Cardinals to play against the Braves, and the San Diego Padres knocking the 110-win Mets in order to play the L.A. Dodgers. So now your matchups in the divisional rounds, you're looking at Guardians, Yankees, Mariners, Astros, Phillies, Braves, Padres, Dodgers. Personally, my prediction, I think you're going to see Dodgers and either Houston or the Yankees in the World Series. I just think that the both all three teams have been just too ridiculously consistent. I do think that the, the Dodgers are the best team in the National League by a mile right now, and it's it's honestly hard to say between the Yankees and Houston who's the better team there. I think they're both good at different things, and that's what makes it difficult because it's it'd be easier to evaluate who's better at this than the other team, but it's not that simple, and I think that that's what makes it so difficult. The NHL season has officially begun. We are now to the point where we have almost every sport running at once. It really is awesome. It really is great. It's just the best time of year. I love to be able to, every day of the week, you can watch something. You know, you got the MLB playoffs going on. You got NFL, college football. Now you got the NHL. You got sports like both MLB and NHL that are sometimes nightly games and then in a couple weeks we got the NBA starting I mean are you like dude I mean this is just what you dream for you know yeah let me just cut on the NBA game hey dude did you see that NHL game dude by the way did you see that MLB game oh my god did you see the NFL game dude did you see that college football game like yes yes I love it this is exactly what you want right here. Right here. Fantastic. It's just great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for this week's fast break. Let's jump right into it. As I have mentioned, the Phillies beat out the St. Louis Cardinals to head to the divisional round of the playoffs, meaning that Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina have officially reached the ends of their careers. And we have said this many times before, but we are going to say farewell to some legends of the game. Albert Pujols finishing his career with 703 home runs. Absolutely miraculous. If you haven't already seen it, Draymond Green sucker punched teammate Jordan Poole in a team practice over some exchanged words. And my question to you is that if Devontae Adams is being charged with a misdemeanor assault, what are they going to charge Draymond with for what he did? 
I understand that Jordan Poole hasn't pressed charges, but are we just going to let him get away with this? That's all I'm saying. A story that we have visited before and we are yet visiting again. Paris Saint-Germain star Kylian Mbappe has officially requested that he would like to leave the Cub in the January transfer window due to a relationship with a team that has been broken down. I know if you remember in past episodes, we had mentioned he initially asked for it to be released, then he was able to mesh relations with the team, and now he is yet again requesting to transfer from the team. It's crazy. I don't know what's going on. I really, really don't. And then lastly, prospect Victor Victor Wembanyama has been noted to be the best prospect we've seen since LeBron James. Now, let me tell you something. I do think that that's a bit of a stretch. But if you guys have had the opportunity to watch this kid play, it's unbelievable. He's taller than Rudy Gobert, but shoots like Kevin Durant. I mean, it's ridiculous. This kid is like 7'3" smacking threes in people's faces and he's got good like ball movement and court moves as well like i can't say that we haven't seen anything like it before but it really is something unique he plays a lot like kd i think it's pretty obvious where his inspiration came from all right you guys that's gonna wrap it up for this week's fast break and episode 46 of the box score sports podcast i do appreciate y'all coming back and it really was nice to come back and do this again it was something that i was kind of itching to do and it definitely i definitely could feel the fact that i was i was missing y'all and i was missing doing this for y'all so um without further ado man that's 46 i'll see you guys for next week episode 47 of the box score sports podcast peace out Took my baby to the high